take your photography to the next level with iPhotography Plus. The only online community which gives you personal feedback on your photography, monthly video critiques, competitions, exclusive training videos, a flourishing community, and so much more. For more details, check out iPhotography.com forward slash podcast. So it's the time for our last episode in our mini series of landscape photography with Mr. Chris Sale. I'm kind of sad, but I'm happy because I've had so much fun with these uh, these podcasts. Chris, have you? It has been good. It's been, it's been enjoyable. We've talked about some different things. We have, and today is no different, really, I suppose, because we've talked a lot about landscape photography and how to balance that in with your life, how to do projects, what it's like being a landscape photographer. Now we're kind of translating all of that hard work behind the camera and, you know, how it then goes into what now is the modern world, effectively, and having your images online that... The answer of how to master social media as a photographer is, is as elusive as the meaning of life itself. So we may, <laughs> we may not be able to give an exact answer, an exact formula here, but we're going to be pretty kind of, we're going to try pretty hard to kind of give you a bit of understanding or a bit of an idea as to how to get more exposure on social media as a photographer. Yep. Because Chris, that that's, 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 would you say that's most of your, the biggest part of your business is that it's all done on, you know, most of it's done online as opposed to being in person. Yeah, that, that's right. With regard to um, my marketing for my business, yeah, uh, it, it is very much social media driven. In fact, I don't do any marketing on any other uh, me- way other than through social media. And um, my, my business is you know, teaching people and, and teaching them in, in person. Um, but my marketing and, and getting in front of those people and getting my name out there Mm. Um, as a landscape photographer, as a landscape photographer in the Lake District, as a as a tutor, a teacher, uh, is through social media. It's a, it's crazy almost to think. I'm just sat here now thinking, what did how did photographers market themselves before social media, before almost the internet necessarily? And I remember one of my very first jobs um, in photography, which out of university would have been 2005. So you know, obviously the internet's been around for a while at that point, but Facebook had only necessarily been there for about a year or so. So uh-huh. it wasn't used. And I would literally remember standing outside on the shopping high street, handing out flyers to people to tell to come into our photo, uh, photo studio. But uh-huh. you know, do you, do you remember those days? Did you ever, you know, how do you ever see? I, I, I do remember those days, Stephen. I do remember <laughs> those. And I think that, you know, the, the large amount of um, most marketing, I think, was done in, in the genre that I operate in landscape photography, was done in, in photography magazines. Mm. Um, so there, used, there was a lot of adverts for things like photography workshops, photography tours, photography holidays, that sort of thing. Um, and then a lot of it was done in person, and it's still a big part of it in in the the, the speaking circuit for camera clubs. Yeah, um, I suppose you can reach out more now to to wider audiences and global audiences with social media. That's meant to be the yeah, point, isn't it? Is that- yeah, absolutely. Um, so my yeah, big a, a big part of my customer base is is non UK based. Oh really? Um, so I have uh, I'm huge in America. You see, no, I don't mean oh. that. <laughs> That's six or seven, a, Chris. You're not tall, you'd be yeah. huge anywhere. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I've got a, a lot of clients in the US. Uh, I have some clients in in Canada um, who I work with on a regular basis, and we're able to do that with technology such as mm. we're using today, Zoom. Yeah, um, but we're also, but it's also bringing people from abroad to this location, oh. um, and to bringing them to the Lake District and looking after them in the Lake District and making sure they know where they're going and where they're staying and we pick them up from the, ho- the airports and that sort of thing. So it's a, you know, you that's a whole new market that that perhaps wasn't available to landscape photographers that preceded me, the, the generations yeah. before. And it'd be interesting. I imagine a lot of those, obviously, those individuals who who are still landscape photographers have have really had to adapt with the times. And so, I don't know whether it's easier being if you're born, you know, into that kind of generation, into the later generations now, generation whatever they call it, whatever's after millennials. Is it Generation Z? I have no idea. I know there is. There's a term for it. But I think if you're born into that generation that you're just a little bit more in tune with technology anyway because you grow up with things that are all touchscreen, et cetera. But I don't know, maybe it was... was. Did you find it hard necessarily learning, you know, the platforms? Because you would have been in your early 
40s, late 30s? Well, I was in my 40s when I started uh, to really succeed is such a relative term. (laughs) When I started to get more attention on social media, I was uh, in 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 my forties, and uh, you know, let's still be, let's be honest. You know, uh, you know, my my following with regard to numbers is still relatively modest. Mm. Um, so you know, we're not talking big numbers. And the minute I, I have approaching seventeen thousand followers on YouTube, uh, I have just over six thousand followers on Instagram. I have less than two thousand on Twitter, just over a thousand on Facebook. Well, that, that's... we're not talking big numbers. No, I mean. It, as you say, it's relative because, yeah, you could look at, you know, some people, I think like Thomas Heaton, take for example, it's about a quarter of a million. Um, but at the same time, iPhotography has 1,600, I think it is, on YouTube. And we love every single one of you. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's, 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 it's quality. Um, I'm not going to say that, obviously, <laughs> he's got thousands of bots or anything like that that are following him. And these numbers are just all speculative as well. But it's, I think a lot of the time now, as we may go on to discuss, um, it's the engagement um, that, yes. that makes a massive difference. That, that is a huge thing. And um, for an organisation like iPhotography, that's the, the most important thing. Hmm. Um, it's, it's the engagement. And I'm sure for Tom, in the early days, that's, that was exactly what it was for him. But his following now is, is too big. Um, in, for, in order to him to hold those sort of levels of relationships with everybody. And, oh, yeah. But of course, from, from, a, from an exposure point of view, having built an audience of that size, it opens up a lot of different doors. Um, and my business model as a professional landscape photographer will be very, very different to Tom's as a professional landscape photographer. I do a lot more work one-to-one with, with photographers, mm-hmm. um, and Tom does a lot more work with, with brands and, and, yeah. and, you know, that kind of thing and, and has sponsorship on his channel and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, very different. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, but yeah, you're, you're right. And, you know, he, he does some absolutely spectacular and wonderful work. Please don't anybody believe that we're, we're dissing him here because he's got such a big following. It's down to his success um, uh, as a landscape photographer, uh, you know, and, and the content that he produces. So, you know, I don't I don't him. think there's anybody in the genre of landscape photography who's on YouTube that works harder than he does. No. The fact yeah. that he's turned out two videos a week for five years, six years, whatever it might be. Um, and that's that's under underlying everything that we're going to talk about here. We're going to talk about different things and what have you about how you can you know, succeed on on social media. You know, a lot of it is going to come back down to just doing the graft, mm-hmm. and that's something that Tom has done and Nigel has done, and yeah. those guys that have developed big channels. They did, it didn't happen by luck. It didn't happen no. by fluke. It didn't you know happen because you know of, of birthright or anything like that <laughs> those guys achieved it through graft yeah, yeah through understanding what the platform wants and what their audience wants and delivering that on a consistent basis indeed and i think that that's almost a good point to to start the recipe of you know of, of how you begin here but kind of kicking off with um i've got kind of a number of questions for us to kind of work through here but the first one being um talking about the the, the platforms themselves be it or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, even nowadays, and YouTube. Uh-huh. For a photographer, let's maybe kind of rate them effectively or even rank them. What would you put at the top in terms of the best platform to be on as a photographer? Right I now? think it's I think it's very difficult because it, it doesn't stay still. Mm. The great thing about social media is it doesn't stay still. They're constantly evolving. New platforms come, new platforms go. Uh, you know, do, do you remember MySpace? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the, pre, the kind of the predecessor to, to Facebook in many ways, and, and, and it was the, the thing, and now that's gone. Um, it went, went a long time ago. Um, so, the, you know, it's constantly evolving. And if you'd have asked me this question uh, three years ago, then I would have put YouTube at the top. Mm because that's where a lot of the attention was going. And in YouTube back in, when I started three or four years ago, you just needed to show up <laughs> because there weren't that many people doing it. Tom yeah. led the way. Um, and then there were a few other professional guys that, that came along. And then there was some amateurs like myself. And we got a lot of attention very quickly 
a lot is relative, but you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot more attention than we were getting out on other platforms just by showing up. And it was as simple as that. Today, that is not the case. And YouTube is full of landscape photographers, um, all producing the same video. <laughs> and I'm one of them. Um, and, uh, you know, it's very, very competitive and what have you. But other platforms, you know, when I started, TikTok didn't exist. Yeah. And TikTok has, is, has become massive. And, you know, TikTok, you know, it is almost it's much, youtube the great thing about youtube it was at the time it's so easy to consume it you're going to sit there and you don't have to read anything like a blog post or anything like that. you just sit there and tiktok's even easier because it's yeah. a lot quicker um so you know that that's really interesting and i think that i don't think anybody in the landscape photography genre and that's the area where i have some knowledge i don't think anybody in that in the landscape photography genre has really grasped how to utilize short form video to their best. I don't think there's anybody that's really come out. And certainly nobody has done on TikTok or on Reels or whatever it might be, what Tom did in YouTube. Yeah. And they really and really defined it is it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. Now you say it that you know I, I flick through them every now and again. And on TikTok, the things that are coming out are tips, you know, five tips for this, or they're a collection of pictures, but there's there's no kind of story element to it, which I think is very, very hard. And I think now TikTok have, have given the ability to make videos that are three minutes long. So may, maybe it's something that's kind of coming in it. There's just that change that's, that they're going through. But yeah, it's, as you said, because everything's so kind of fast and, and heavy, it's, it's easy to consume, but sometimes it's actually hard to put decent content together that is still kind of helpful and mm. it's not detrimental to yourself as a brand if you're used to like yourself producing videos that can be 10 15 20 minutes long and very very educational how do you boil that down to maybe like 30 seconds but not doing a disservice um, and making yourself kind of look cheaper it's it's a it's a tricky thing in a way i mean would you say there's any um, platforms you know based on that nowadays 2021 for photographers to maybe steer away from a little bit i am um, i think that i think the the, the the most interesting thing about social media the most important thing about social media is to identify what you want to achieve mm. um, and in order to do that you have to understand what the audience is that you that you want to service um, and so you know my business is based upon me bringing people to the lake district and helping them to improve their landscape photography. And I'm predominantly somebody who, who focuses on novice uh, landscape photographers um, and, you know, who I can help to develop the skills that they need to, to grow their confidence, as it were. And largely, those people hang out on YouTube. That's mm -hmm. where they hang out. And different platforms have different demographics. So if you were to consider Facebook versus Instagram, the two products are owned by the same company. Of course they are. But Facebook has a much older demographic. Instagram has a much younger demographic. Now, my business, as I think we discussed in an earlier podcast, is made up of predominantly men that are older than me, men in their 50s and 60s. And they are more inclined to be on Facebook than they are on Instagram, certainly TikTok. They're more, in, they're more, more likely to be on um, Facebook and, uh, and YouTube. Um, so, you know, once you've identified who your audience is, then it's finding where they hang out. Yeah. And once you know where they hang out, it's then about it's then time to fig to, to 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 figure out what content works well on that platform. Mm -hmm. What works very well on YouTube at the moment is 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 a, you know how to videos, how to how to take a nice landscape photograph. Um, and things that are very searchable because YouTube is the biggest, second biggest search engine after Google. Mm -hmm. um, and so educational content works very, very well. Mm -hmm. But in the short format content, uh, you know, context, um, in the short format video with TikTok and now with Instagram Reels and, uh, you know, YouTube bringing their own version in shorts we've just seen released. You know, that you're right, that educational, you don't have the ability to do that educational video, you know, in the same way. Mm -hmm. And so you're probably looking at doing something that's perhaps a bit more entertaining, maybe a bit more inspiring. Yeah. So, you know, 
going out and showing some nice photographs of the landscape and people thinking, oh, okay, I want to go and do that. Mm. So it's about adjusting the content that you produce to the audience that you want to attract and, and trying to find a platform, um, you know, where, they're, where they are. That, that's a nice way of actually kind of uh, showing it slightly. Um, is that, yeah, you keep your YouTube videos, let's say, you know, the longer form for that education purposes, but the smaller ones, be it like TikTok or, or Reels, or is it Shorts, is it now that... Shorts on shorts on, on YouTube, it's called. On yeah. YouTube, yeah. But you can use that for, as you say, more of an entertaining purposes. Maybe it's just like yeah. a little showcase of, of images, et cetera, as well. So you don't kind of dilute what you've done previously with your bigger videos and your bigger content as well but you provide something that's going to attract a different audience maybe it is a more youthful audience if it's through um, yeah. instagram or through tiktok really as yeah. well so maybe and, and that's what that's what we see a lot anyways that's what how we've had to adapt as a, as a kind of a, a photography school be it is that because content is consumed in many different ways and also many different you know formats necessarily on phones and on devices you know you get videos looking different ways we've had to like repurpose videos and recrop them so they kind of fit different formats but sometimes you know some images some videos don't work on on different platforms mm -hmm. um so i think you're right establishing your audience who you want to appeal to especially if you're running this as a business um mm -hmm. is absolutely key for, for identifying but mm -hmm. i mean on the basis of, of talking about all those platforms, you know, do you think, I mean, I, I know you do, but do you think it's worth having multiple platforms as a photographer? Um, you know, could you think you could successfully just stick to one or is it just a case of obviously having more is going to mean more work? The, the, diff the difficulty, the difficulty with, with social media is that things change um, and nothing is consistent. And so the problem is that if you put your all of your eggs into one basket and then you end up growing a large following then you're at the mercy of that platform and there was a there was a very well-known event or occurrence that happened within within youtube uh, not within photography but within uh, within the daily vlogging community where the the, the guys these guys that were creating daily videos and YouTube went crazy for them. At the one at the time, the algorithm was pushing, you know, people that were producing content every day, the algorithm was pushing their videos. And so that created, you know, overnight stars in many cases, although obviously there's no such thing, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they created these, these guys who were making a huge amount of money producing daily videos and then we had the problem with um the with youtuber burnout where where people were producing these videos every single day and they were burning themselves out and the story goes that youtube kind of got wind of this and the negative um uh, re response that this was having and they changed the algorithm so whereas these guys were making huge amounts of money all of a sudden the videos stopped getting pushed so all these guys that were had solely gone all in on youtube had now had their livelihoods taken away mm. through no fault of their own, through something that they couldn't control. So I do think that um, you, the, the social media is obviously incredibly important, but you should never just go all in on one. And I think as a photographer, the most important thing for you is, and the most important platform for you is your own website. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's something actually going to kind of come to a little bit later. So I, I'll, I'll we'll circle back around to that in a moment. Uh -huh. because, um, I wanted to get to the point of about actually how you I say schedule your work. I mean, have you ever found out things like um, automation? automation of your your posts you know uh -huh. to multiple platforms do you prefer um do you prepare a lot of content in advance um you know do you choose particular times to post or do you kind of just you know let it go out whenever yeah so i i so let's let's talk about my main platform so my main platform is youtube obviously um and probably secondary to that is instagram and then twitter and facebook sort of uh, off to the side really um, and my YouTube, um, when I'm doing it, and I've just, just come back from a, a fairly long break over the summer, I'm just back into it now. My YouTube videos are published at a certain time 
on a Tuesday. They go out at 6 p.m. UK time on a Tuesday. And there are people that follow me, that watch my videos, that enjoy my content, that know it goes out at that time and they're ready for it and they expect it. That's very important. Um, I think it's very important. We talk about um, the most important thing about is being consistent on social media. So having a consistent message, producing videos that are trying to solve a consistent problem. Um, but, but it's not just that, it's a consistency in quality and it's a consistency in scheduling. Yeah, yeah, I think, sorry, I was, I was, I was very engrossed in the answer there. <laughs> I forgot to <laughs> jump in with my, the next question there. But I, I, I've always likened it to a TV show. And I think this is something that either I've read or someone told me a long time ago, is that when you become a brand, you know, or personality online, whatever you want to call it, however you want to see it, effectively treat it as a TV show. So your content goes out regularly. It looks the same. It's almost like a news program. If you ever watch the news, there is always a, a regularity with the presenters. You know, there's a similar format. Everything goes at the same place. It comes out at the same time. And people love familiarity. We like routine. You know, this is not necessarily about photography. We just like that structure. So if we can rely on something like you coming out with a video every Tuesday at 6, 6.30, then it's you buy into it more because you feel more secure because you know another episode is going to be coming out next week, et cetera. Yep. Or if it was same with, um, you know, it, I've seen pieces of content that we do. We do as I photography a best of the week. Um, so that's basically taking a number of images from our gallery, putting it together as like a little collection and we post that up a Saturday um, and a Sunday, we do two different ones. And I make sure we do that all the time because I think people will expect it over time. The more and more that you do, it's like a summary of the whole week and people, it gets more and more popular over time because people know to expect it. They know what's coming in a way. And especially if they've been uploading pictures during the week, there's a chance that they may be in it as well. So there's always that expectation. Um, I think consistency, as you say, not just only in the actual content you know that you deliver the images um but also how you market yourself i think is is massively important so yeah i, I fully agree with that um but given that different platforms have different aims does that mean you have to change any of your um your content your captions yes. is a is a certain picture say for example example that you would post on instagram that you wouldn't post on twitter or yes. vice versa yeah absolutely so you should tailor your content to the platform you, you know, all the platforms are different. They all want different things. They all work in different ways. And so, um, you know, you, you do really want to tailor that uh, to that platform. So as a very simple example is that because um, Instagram is a, a, a platform that came out of mobile devices, um, that most people view it on a portrait orientated screen. Mm. And therefore, if you want to uh, put your images out there uh, that, uh, to have the biggest impact then you want to post them in portrait orientation yeah. because it fills more of the screen uh, it's a simple thing as that and there are metrics where it says that you know on average portrait orientation shots orientation in a 10 by 8 crop um will get more engagement and a, a significant percentage more engagement yeah. than something posted in a landscape the worst thing you can do on instagram is try and post a panorama yes because I they look <laughs> tiny little slithers um, that, and, and that's it, it and, and it doesn't you can't um rotate or anything like that but it's, it's a fully valid point that i'd go back years ago and yeah you could pretty much post anything to facebook because it wasn't you know before like web um you know apps came onto phones etc as well it, you know it was just a website so you could post any kind of type of picture ratio and it would show fairly well because you'd be looking at it on a big screen but now yeah. you've got to understand and appreciate how people consume um yep. consume content so what we mean by consume is just how they see it on online so whether yep. it's on a on a, um, a smartphone or a tablet or a laptop or a big monitor etc as well it's all going to look different to everybody and you're so right um vertical images now are the in thing let's say because vertical video and vertical video yeah i was going to kind of come to that in terms of video in a, in a short while but certainly vertical images because obviously the the screen ratio um and it's not always that easy when you kind of hold your phone the other way around the screen rotates and it just completely flunks mm. everybody as well so shooting you know almost shooting in a sense i mean have you ever done this shot for the platform yes i do, do it all do the time 
You consciously do it. But every single photograph I take, I will take a, I will take one in landscape orientation and one in portrait orientation. And typically, the landscape orientation shot will get shared uh, um, in my YouTube video. Yeah. In a sixteen by nine crop to fit the video format, and my, the portrait orientation shot will be used uh, on Instagram. And now, I mean, in terms of, I mean, we say the word content a lot, but let's just get down to the nitty gritty for people that, that that you know don't know specifically what we're talking about. A, what can content be for a photographer? You know, is it just photography? Is it blogs? What what does kind of content it, cover necessarily? So, I, you know, I think it can. If you if you go on to let's talk about Twitter. So Twitter is a platform where where you go for conversations and, and debates and that kind of thing. That's what Twitter's really good for. So it can you know content can be a single tweet, maybe asking a question or making an observation or something like that that involve that that engages other people and gets other people uh, to to have a debate. Um, so you know that's that's what Twitter's really good for. So it could just be a tweet. You know, it could so just it be a. So for photographers, it doesn't have to be an image necessarily. No, no. One of the other growth areas at the minute is exactly what we're doing now is, is, is photography in a podcast. Yeah. And, and there is this, if you're watching this on YouTube, then there's obviously you can see it. But if you're listening to this uh, through Apple Music or whatever it is, you know, what we're, we're doing is essentially doing photography, to all intents and purposes, on a, on a, a non-visual medium. Mm. Um, and things like um, I can't remember the name. Is it Clubhouse the, the platform? That's yeah, coming. yeah, that's yeah. One, so yeah. that's a growth thing. Um, and before that, there was Anchor, I think, as, uh, yeah. as well, which was which made delivery of, of podcasts much easier for people to create. Um, so that you know that you know that does work. I mean, as a, as obviously as a visual medium, if you if you what you're trying to do is to get people interested in your images. Then there are some platforms I think you know traditionally that were, were, were better for that, and obviously Instagram. Mm. But then you know these all have their, their issues, and you have to think about the content that you're producing and, and and tailor it to the platform. So, for example, Instagram doesn't like doesn't want people to leave Instagram. They don't want them to go outside of the app. So your the the content that you produce for Instagram has to work wholly within their app. Uh, so you might post an image and you'll have a little bit of a story. I tend to try and tell a little bit of a story, the little background of the image that I've posted. And if you follow me, the Instagram becomes a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a bit of a story of my life. I'm not really ever in any of the photographs, but I've been here and I've taken this and I've experimented with this technique or I've done that. It's quite, it's quite a nice way of, 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 you know, keeping up to tabs of what I'm working on, what I'm doing. Yeah. But everything has to be done within Instagram. And I do see people putting URLs, links for, for, for their websites and what have you in the post, but, but Instagram doesn't link to them. It's just text. You can't use it. Yeah. Twitter, on the other hand, and Facebook, were really, Twitter come, really got born out of the conversation, as I said earlier, but also sharing information. And so Twitter is much better for sharing information and sharing blog posts for example so you know i you have in the past written blog posts and you, you you put those on your website um and then and you share that through twitter yeah. and then what what can happen if you're very lucky if you if you if you write the blog post in a certain way and you phrase your tweet in a certain way what you can actually have is people going and reading your content, consuming the information that you've got put out there, and then going back to Twitter to have a conversation about it. And that conversation typically on Twitter, because it's a bit of a spiky audience, is <laughs> this guy doesn't know who he's talking about, but <laughs> you, get, you get the point. So That sounds very just, raw for you, yeah, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Facebook, um, and Facebook on the moment, I mean, um, it's, it's almost unrecognisable from the Facebook that, that I got, joined 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, it's become very much as a, as a way of, you know, I hardly see any information coming through from my friends. It's a lot more adverts. Um, but from a business point of view, Facebook's very powerful for adverts. And I actually have moved away from trying to use YouTube and my YouTube content as a way of um, marketing my workshops. And I'm actually using paid advertising on Facebook because yeah. what I can do with Facebook is ask them to target certain people that live in a certain area that have a certain interest that are of a certain age um and you know make and pay facebook to show them my advert yeah yeah and, I, and that works 
we we've we, we use it a lot obviously as a business as well to kind of get the word out but i've certainly i agree with you that facebook has changed and you know i think it to a large degree it had to um because a lot of other platforms started to steal its thunder uh, and kind of do other things that it was already doing so it had to adapt to, as a business i understand that and i i can see why they ended up buying uh, instagram as well because it was it was just going to take away a large amount of an audience and a younger audience as you said as well because initially Facebook was a very, very young, well, it was, it was designed for university students or college yes. students in America. So obviously they're very, very young. And as we've, you know, been talking about now, and I think we were talking in the previous episode about how um, the demographic, I think now wholly for Facebook has probably got a lot older. I found a lot more of the, of the older generations find it more useful to connect. And I think that younger audience has maybe moved to Instagram. And so Facebook panicked, bought both, well, bought the other one anyway as well, to kind of cover the, the remit a, li- a little bit really as well. But yeah, I certainly see the, the value in, as a business owner. And, you know, and if you're trying to push your photography a little bit more uh, using paid advertising, do you use it um, just on Facebook or do you find... Um, at the moment, I'm just using it on Facebook and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm experimenting with it. So built into the price of a, of a workshop place is a certain amount of money to market. Yeah. that place and so that at the moment i'm being spent on is on being spent on facebook adverts and you know that has proven to be reasonably effective so far um and and as long as it continues to be effective then that's probably what i will do yeah. but there is other ways there's there's google as well obviously there's google advertising ads um uh i think i don't know whether it's as effective or you know i mean as, uh, as as facebook is but you know we'll see yeah. but you can obviously you can run adverts on instagram mm-hmm. but i've always as i said to you before i think that you know typically the the area that i want to market my my workshops my one-to-ones the the the, the guys are hanging out on facebook yeah but they're not so uh, active on on instagram Indeed. And that's it. You say it goes back in circle to what mm. we said before about knowing, knowing your audience to begin with, but getting a little bit more into the mechanics of, um, of actually using these apps, these platforms, when it comes to tagging, hashtagging, reposting, sharing and all that, do you kind of, do you use like the same set of hashtags over and over again? No. Do you, um, do you make sure, because I, the one thing I've, I've done a lot of studying on about is more specifically with Instagram, obviously, like you said before, Instagram does not want you to leave the app. They want you to no. do as much of your interactions, et cetera, in their app. Yep. So the more features and functions that you can use, and the same goes for Facebook as well, because I spent a bit of time with a, a kind of a social media expert, let's say, um, and she gave me a kind of a lot of information and basically saying the more and more um, features, tools, whatever you want to call them, in these apps that you use when you're posting, um, these platforms love it because effectively you're you're kind of using all the benefits of that site to promote yourself, but obviously through that site. So when it gets to like um, Instagram, obviously adding your hashtags, adding like a geolocation, adding in the alt text, tagging people in there. These are all features that Instagram want you to use. And, and for that basis, she sometimes say, you know, it doesn't help you a little bit more in terms of the exposure, but how do, how do you approach it when you come to like writing captions or, or using hashtags? So I'm not I'm not brilliant at Instagram per se, but I, I you know I always say that you know the, for me the fastest way to get to five thousand Instagram followers was to get fifteen thousand on YouTube and just tell everybody <laughs> I've got an Instagram account. You know, so I didn't a lot of my a lot of my growth you know did come from 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 kind of spillover from YouTube, but um, I think. When you talk about using the features that they have, I think that it's even more powerful if you start to use the content features that they have, i.e. So, for example, when Instagram first came along, it was a photo sharing app. Mm. And we've just heard in the last month or so that the the the, the CEO or the chief executive or the head of Instagram, whatever he is, uh, it's actually come out and say that Instagram now no longer perceives itself as a photo sharing app. It is it is much more of a general entertainment app. Um, and so what we as photographers tend to do is to share lots of photographs, but that isn't necessarily what is going, going to, um, uh, what Instagram is going to reward you for. Yeah. Um, so obviously Instagram is going heavily after um, TikTok. 
Yeah, yeah. And so are. reels is what Instagram cares about at the moment. Yes. And so if you start producing reels on a consistent basis, you, they will promote you more. Yeah. And I've, I've certainly, I've noticed that because like you were saying with YouTube, they've started shorts. Um, Facebook, we're doing stories, but all that, all those representations of short form video, short form content. If you see multiple platforms doing it, you know, that's the next thing that's going, you know, going good. You know, that that's the kind of next thing to be on that or every, the, the trend necessarily. And even LinkedIn, I saw, I read a very, very quick, quick article, I think it was yesterday, about how LinkedIn had that kind of stories thing, which it seems a little bit strange for a basically a business of Facebook. Um, but it not worked for them either way. And they were they were kind of they were getting rid of it in the same way that I think Twitter actually had fleets, um, which were again like Instagram stories. It had not worked for them. So they just got rid of it, etc. But you can see how these platforms jump on these trends really quickly because they're worrying people will disappear onto mm. other onto other like platforms, won't they? Yeah, I, th- I think you know stories is stories is an important thing. I mean, I do know that there are photographers, there are people out there that, that, that use Instagram that don't look at the feed anymore. They're mm. they're consuming uh, reels, they're consuming stories, um, but they're not necessarily looking at the feed. That that doesn't hold the same level of interest for them. Yeah. You know, so there's that there's that to consider. You know, and it, so it is really really difficult. I think, um, but I think perhaps what, one of the things that we should come on to, we should talk a bit a little bit more about, is actually the the, the reason for doing social media in the first place. So, so we talked about growing exposure, and that's what this is all about. But one of the one of the best bits for me that's ever come out of social media for me is that relationship that you form with people. And what we're talking about is being able to indulge yourself in a community that you don't have on your doorstep. We're talking about being able to connect with people all over the world that have the same interests as you. Um, and I think that that's something that I think is, is really overlooked by people that are you know, kind of trying to chase the numbers, trying to chase a certain number of followers or get a certain number of likes. And actually, the partly the most rewarding part of social media is that social aspect. It's yeah. creating relationships with other people that shape to have the same interests as you. The, I say that, that if it hadn't been for YouTube, I would have never become a professional photographer. But that for me isn't the best thing that ever came out of YouTube for me. The best thing that came out of YouTube for me was my relationship with um, Julian Baird, the landscape photographer based down in, in, in Devon. Um, Judy and I have become very close and we've met through we met through YouTube and it is I've met many many photographers through doing social media and um, not just fellow creators but other other photographers as well I had I've had a I had one of my very first workshops I did a a kind of trial workshop and I just introduced them I just you know if, if you want to come come for nothing and you know sign up for it and the three people that came on that close friends mm. um my wife and i so we had uh cat ian and jeff um my wife and i've been out for dinner with uh, ian and his wife and jeff has come and stayed with us here on several occasions and cat i see occasionally uh, whenever whenever we get the opportunity and they've become friends and that is that that's that's important that's that far outweighs this unless you're unless you're trying to build a business of course but even then yeah when we talk about engagement, we talk about the quality of engagement. And if you can, I would much rather have a following of a hundred people that wanted to come on a workshop than a hundred thousand that didn't. Yeah, I, I think that that's a very like I think it's like what we talked about at the very top, really, when we're talking about big audiences that sometimes they can get too big for you to effectively do what you did maybe when that audience was smaller, which was engage a lot more, talk to people more regularly and form, you know, virtual relationships in effect. I imagine there's, there's probably quite a few um, of your followers on YouTube that, that you know quite well, though you may not have met them, but through like the comments and messages, you've got to know them fairly well. And it, it's nice yeah. to kind of keep those relationships going, isn't it? Yeah, I, it is absolutely. You, you, YouTube and, and Instagram as well. Um, you get comments and you see people turn up and you know it, what, what, what I think what I find very difficult about YouTube from a kind of social point of view is that it's very much it's very one way yeah in that I produce a video you watch it you leave a comment but largely it's predominantly about my content 
Um, with Instagram, at least, I can, at least I can return the favor and I can I can follow some photographers. And I, you know, so there are guys, people that have been following me on YouTube that I've become friendly with in the comments section that I now follow on Instagram. And so I know almost as much about their photography as they know about mine. Mm. Um, and that's that's really, really important for me. Um, is, is, is that, you know, forming that relationship with people. I almost, on the Instagram, I don't follow anybody kind of who's an established photographer. I follow people who watch my videos and I follow clients. Yeah, that's, that's quite nice that, yeah, it, that itself will help you continuing to continue your relationships with them because yeah. your feed isn't then full of, Beyonce's I don't know if you would follow Beyonce anyway but uh, no <laughs> just a close personal contact she remains but maybe not on Instagram <laughs> so that's 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 a, that's an important thing is that I have two separate Instagram accounts okay right so I have a public uh, Instagram account for, for me the photographer and where I'm very open about my posts that I'm sharing and who I'm following and it's predominantly photographers yeah. and I have another one that's private that people don't know about I was going to say, yeah, I don't follow you on that. No, 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 because it's <laughs> private. And that's where I follow Beyonce. <laughs> it's just literally you and one follower and it's Miss Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, yeah, I follow her. She doesn't follow me. She doesn't follow back. No, no, no she doesn't follow back. She's like that, though. <laughs> She's so rude. So rude. <laughs> so rude. No, I mean, that, that is, that's a very, very good point, though. Is it, you know, is it worth separating those aspects out and not just using one personal account, well, not one person, one account to, you know, tell your personal life? Because I'm sure people will take pictures of where they've been for a walk, et cetera. And I see it every now and again on, and I follow people based upon a couple of good images, but then I go and look at their feed and then it starts to mix in with pictures of what they've been eating, you know, meals that they've been making, you know, that they've been doing the gardening. And it's like, well, I'm going, I followed you for the good photography. When's that coming back? You know, should yeah. you separate life and work in a sense? Consistency is the most important thing, I think, across any platform. Consistency in the, in, in the content that you're producing. So on YouTube, one of the things that they teach you if you watch a how to do a youtube channel video the first thing they teach you is to be is to be consistent i serve a consistent audience produce a content that is solving a consistent problem for people and you've you don't really see it very much in the photography genre i think that's that's kind of really kind of fitted in quite well but you because I think a lot of people, you know, that, that, that come from photography on YouTube, they have a passion for photography and YouTube is a way of sharing that passion. But I think if you get people that don't necessarily already have that niche, what happens is they'll start producing videos about gaming or they'll start producing videos about mo and mobile phones and then they've got this, that and the other. And there is no consistency on their content. Mm. And so people don't know what to expect. They don't know, you know, what's going to be next. Why should I follow this guy? So consistency, I think, is the most important thing. And that, the same goes for Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you, you know, I think that if I'm, I'm lucky in that I've got, a, a, you know, reasonably consistent following and they know I post photos, I post landscape photographs of the Lake District. That's that's what I do. Yeah, There's nothing I, I, else. I, I I would agree as well because I look back at my feed and every now and again I've been like, no, I want to be a little bit more con kind of uh, conscious with what I post and and make it look a bit more photography esque. Because sometimes I've just posted the odd image on there, and so I've gone back and I've deleted them, and I've and that's why you may see like the the, the count of how many images I've had on on Facebook, uh, on, on Instagram doesn't necessarily tally with the following. I mean, I've not got, you know, hundreds. And again, if you're listening and you happen to follow me personally, thank you very, very much. It's very kind of you. Mm. It's maybe like seven, six, seven hundred. But I've, it looks like I've only posted about maybe 60, 70. And it thinks, oh, I've got a great following for the amount of posts I've made. <laughs> but it's not relative because I've deleted a lot just to make it more consistent. Because, yeah, I, I fully agree. You know, if you want to obviously post images about your life, you know, consider how that would look on your feed if you're also mixing it in with your photography. Um, I agree. Yeah, I would agree. I'd keep them separate if, if, if it was me. And today, what I have done, so today I've, I've put out a lot of social media posts uh, to announce the publication of my next zine, which I'm selling. And I have done an Instagram story and I have done an Instagram feed. But that, that blog post, that post uh, on my feed will stand out. So once that's served its purpose, it will get deleted where everything else will remain. Ah, well, that well that that's the kind of um, fits in with the trend these days of disappearing stories that that's going on yeah. everywhere now at the minute as well. I even see like WhatsApp are going to start doing it that you can literally put these whatever you know short lived twenty four hours. So I'm 
uh, I, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm not really up up to speed on this. But, but was the dis the kind of disappearing stories thing? Was was that did that come out of Snapchat? I think so. Yeah, it was basically this. I don't know what. I think it was to kind of create that bit of fervor because obviously like with Instagram or Facebook, if you post something, it's there forever. You know, you can go back years and find something, but to create more demand and create quicker engagement that if somebody posted something, you had to go and see it ASAP on that platform on Snapchat um, because it was going to disappear in whatever, however long the shelf life is. It creates more of a demand. You've got, if you imagine you've got a shop and it's got one item, it's like Christmas shopping. Everyone's running in on Black Friday to go and grab that item because there's only a couple left. And I can only assume these platforms saw the success of how Snapchat basically rose off just that basis. They didn't do anything else besides these disappearing stories. And they all went, right, we've got to grab it. And they've taken that and they've applied it to stories and stories and fleets. And, you know, they all became the big rage. And now videos are kind of starting to take that aspect of it. They're not necessarily disappearing ones on 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 tiktok or anywhere unless you delete it um but but yeah i think that's that's kind of where it came out from basically everybody's jealousy and worry about snapchat to begin with Mm. um but i just wanted to circle off with something you said at the very very uh start of this podcast about websites Mm -hmm. now we've talked obviously a lot about social media about the platforms and the apps etc is it possible for somebody as a photographer these days to get by with just a website um you know and not necessarily have much in the way of um, social media and on the flip side is it possible for a photographer to get by on just social media and not have a website so i think um you know the answer to that question is it depends what people are trying to achieve so i think that if you are trying to get your your name out there if you're trying to reach a, a wider audience then the beauty of social media is that they already have an existing audience to which you can tap into. Um, The problem with uh, your website is that you've got to go out and find those people somehow, Mm -hmm. you know, getting, getting attention on your website. It's not just a case of creating a website, putting it up there and expecting people to flock to it. Um, because that's very disappointing if you think that's going to happen um so you again you have to you have to work hard to drive traffic to that and the the truth of the matter is that social media plays a big part of that yeah you know so you know particularly something like you know if you're if you're a a blogger you know i think most bloggers most people that write you know they have a twitter presence because it's it's easy to share that content um you know with with them so my my I think ideally, the, the the best way to approach it is to is to always have your own website because you that's the only area you have control over. Yeah. Um, and to do whatever you can, and to use one or two to start with, probably uh, social platforms that can drive people to your website. Yeah. Um, and that all depends on who you are and what you want to do and who your target audience is and that sort of thing. And as we talked earlier, Instagram isn't the greatest place to try and drive people to your website, but there's always the link in your bio kind of thing. Yeah, and, and that's it. Yeah, that's the one thing that I kind of facepalm all the time when I see somebody put a um, a website link on Instagram because I was like, you can't press it. You can't press it. They don't yeah. have built in. You know, Everywhere else does. Um, and I admit, well, I'm sure I've done it on iPhotography once or twice, but it's purely been by accident. And I look back at the at the, uh, at the post, it's like, delete it. Um, because, yeah, <laughs> it, it just looks uninformed. It looks as if you didn't know that that didn't do it or that could yeah. do it. But you can have a, a link in your bio. And, um, and even in that, I think we actually use um, a website called Linktree. Uh, and in that, um, you can basically have multiple links to different websites, different pages of your own website, different uh, platforms that you've got. You know, you may have your Facebook and your TikTok, et cetera. Um, so it basically, it's just like one place and you can have like an index of all these different places that your your clients, your prospective followers can go to. 
because you can only allow yourself to have one link in a bio. So I think that's kind of really, really useful if anybody's got multiple platforms they want to promote, whether it's their videos and pictures elsewhere, et cetera, as well as a website. But it's it's nice to know there's still value in having a good old you know photography website. Because like you said, I think the control aspect is a really important part of it really as well, because you can guarantee what people will see in terms of your images, how they see it, um, and you can you know control you know, a lot of the look of it, can't you, really, as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, lobster, Indeed. that sort of thing. But yeah. in terms of websites, et cetera, as well, before we wrap up, Chris, you've got to give us yours, because I'm sure people will be desperate to see your images. So my my website is uh, chrissale.co.uk, and there is a portfolio on there. There you go. So we'll drop a link in the description to this as well, because it's the last episode of our mini landscape series of where we've been chatting about landscape photography, or at least, I mean, we've talked a bit about obviously social media today, but we've been joined by a fantastic landscape photographer in Mr. Chris Sale. Um, and if you please check out all the other um, landscape photography episodes we've been talking about on this podcast, we'd be very, very grateful. Uh, and it's all in lieu, or it may have kind of passed the time now, depending upon when you're listening to this podcast, of our fantastic iPhotography landscape course, which Chris completely uh, fronts. He's going to give you all the information that you need um, really to take you from a beginner's level, isn't it, Chris? Mm -hmm. Right through to Mm -hmm. someone being very strong and confident in landscape photography. That's the aim, absolutely. Indeed. So there'll be a link in the description for that to either join the waiting list or actually get a bit more details about the course um, if it's actually live by the time you're listening to this. Um, so thank you very much again, because it's our last episode, Chris. I may not speak to you for a little while on our old podcast. Thank you very, very much for, for joining us. And I hope you've enjoyed it. I have, Stephen. Thank you very much for, for, for having me. I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening as well. If you've been joining us for the first time, if you're a returning listener, um, we really, really appreciate it. We've been doing iPhotography podcasts now for almost about a year. I think it's pretty much about October, September, October. It was 2020 when we kind of kicked off mid-pandemic it was. Um, and we thought, why not make our lives a little bit more stressful and we'll add a weekly podcast into things. And it was come really really well so thank you so much for everybody that's been kind of tuning in there's lots more to come this is by no means the end of anything that we're doing here it's just the end of our little landscape season and i'm sure we'll do another one maybe chris we can do Mm -hmm. another one and catch up on your projects and your progress next year and see how it's all kind of uh, wrapped up and what you're up to uh, in the future as well so in the meantime thank you again for listening um it's been absolutely lovely kind of uh, having you all on board as well thank you very much for subscribing and following really really helps us out and chris i will catch you in the future Nice to see you, Steve.